Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf 100 in Arve Psachim, Daf Kuf, uh, in Maseches Psachim. We started Arve Psachim, which is after Pesach Sheni. Uh, a couple of things, because the Mishnah began on the top of Tzadik Tesem and Bez. Our Daf, Daf Kuf, is a, sort, is a small Daf, so we get to do some Tosfasim today, a little bit of analysis today. Um, it'll be hopefully very exciting. Um, Arve Psachim has so much. You could really sit and learn as many people do in yeshivas. I know in the yeshivas where my friends taught, uh, as Pesach approached, they would switch over to Arve Psachim and start discussing all the delicious inyanim therein. Um, of course, for us, we're so used to the calendrical coincidences that we don't think it's such a big deal. Last cycle, I started Arve Psachim like two weeks after Pesach which is a bummer, because that's as far away from Pesach as you could possibly be. But this is Hashem's way of telling, of telling us that we're really on to something this cycle, Baruch Hashem. I'm sure they were on to something last cycle too, but as we are Shloshim Yom Lifnei HaChag, we're learning Arvei Psachim. Now, a couple of things. First of all, with regards to the Mishnah, of course, you'll notice right away when you look at the Mishnah on Tzadik Testament base, if you want to peek, is that it says Erev Psachim, right? So there's two there's a couple of Gersos, what does Erev Sachem mean? Sachem is plural. So Erev Sachem would mean the Erev of the day of many Korban Pesachs, so to speak, right? The Erev of many Psachem. Okay. Or Arve Psachem. Uh, Arve Psachem. That's one thing. Just the first, very first line of the Mishnah, Erev Sachem or Arve Psachem, Samuch Lemincha Lo Yochel Techshach. So what goes on here is that the idea and just basically summarizing Tzadik Tesam and Beis, there is a discussion of whether you can eat before, right, uh, before Pesach starts. And the Mishnah says you should not be able to eat before Pesach starts. The Gemara uh, records, that's a machlokas between Rabbi Yehud and Rabbi Yossi. The Gemara initially believes that our Mishnah is referring, is only adhering to the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda because Rabbi Yehuda, right, we had a b'risa that says that the person can't eat either on Shabbos or on Yantiv. Regard, not just Pesach. Any Shabbos or Yantiv, min mincha ulamala. Why? Right? You have to go into Shabbos or Yantiv with an appetite. So this topic of whether you shouldn't eat, right, at a certain point, maybe our Mishnah is a reflection of this Machlokas, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi, as to whether you can eat, right, be, uh, as on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantiv, um, and the reason would be because you want to go into Yontiv or Shabbos with an appetite. This is something that Rabbi Yossi um, disagreed with. Rabbi Yossi, Ochel So that's how the Gemara began. The concept and what, and what we was discussed yesterday on Sadiq Tesem Beis was this idea that there's a machlokas, a general machlokas as to whether you can eat on Erev Shabbos, whether you can eat on Erev Yontiv. Now, what would make Pesach unique would be that on Erev Pesach there is an extra special in addition to the fact that it's nice to go into Shabbos and Yontiv with an appetite as a way of, of expression of covered Shabbos and Yontiv, on Erev Pesach there is an additional idea of you have to eat, right, the, the korban, the, you have to eat the matzah latte avon. You have to eat the matzah with a certain extra uh, sense of fervor and appetite. To that end, incidentally, and Tosos brings this out, to that end, there's a very famous idea that a person who eats matzah, we know there's a minhag not to eat matzah already now, right? Many people have minhag, they start at various, pla- various times 
of the year not to eat matzah. We, Andrew already has his matzah at his house, I know. Six boxes of the thinnest, crispiest, whitest matzah on the planet. Uh, the deal has been made, the eagle has landed, and the matzahs are in Andrew's house. This is not a joke, this is a reality. Now, Andrew's staring at those matzahs, he's salivating. But as a covered for the matzahs, he's not going to touch them. Says the Gemara, right, that Ochel matzah be'er of Pesach certainly is the real halacha, right? Kebol arusoso be'beis chamel, right? That it's, it's uh, a way of, it's a taiva, so to speak, that you should not, right, that you should wait. It's something, it's, it's a gratification that should be delayed, right, in order to make that moment of eating the matzah at the Seder that much uh, more special. Rabbi Rosner Shlita, the great Dafyomi master, points out that interestingly enough, that the um, uh, actual afikoman has to be eaten in Lasova, right? The afikoman that we eat at the end has to be eaten when you're already at a state of satiation and no longer hungry. So the question is, well, which is it? Is it a bigger? Is it better to eat something when it's uh, when you're hungry, or better to eat something when you're already satiated? So he pointed out that matzah. It probably tastes better when you're hungry. Once you're already satiated, uh, then it's not quite the same as opposed to the Korban Pesach, which is exciting. So, right, it's like when you're having something and you're already, uh, let me put it this way, if you're eating something succulent, a filet mignon, so it would be a shame for you to eat that for hunger when you're, when you're starving because then you lose some of the savory uh, aspects of, of eating it as opposed to matzah, you can appreciate how delicious it is when you eat. Now, we ironically have the matzah as the afikomen right now. So it a little bit loses that, that shot. But be that as it may, the Tosos points out that obviously what is it that you're actually eating, Samach L'Chashecha? Uh, you can't eat matzah, Samach L'Chashecha, because you can't eat matzah on Erev Pesach. If you're eating Paris and Yerokos, then that actually we see you're allowed. In other words, the whole Isser is to start a Suda. So how are you starting a Suda on Erev Pesach? What are you eating? We all know very well that there's nothing to eat on Erev Pesach. So what is it exactly that you're violating this whole Erev Pesach uh, eating with? And this is where the, it gets into matzah ashira, the idea that it's enough matzah to be considered uh, kovei asuda on it in the sense that it's matzah ashira, but it's not enough matzah to, right, in order to violate this idea of eating the matzah and the taste of matzah lete avon. So we've gotten a taste, so to speak, a forspeise of Arvib Sochim as we enter Daf Kuf. So what happens in Daf Kuf, okay, is that the Machlokas, they end up saying uh, between Rahuna uh, and Rabbi uh, I'm sorry, the Machlokas between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda, um, they end up saying maybe is a different, a related Machlokas between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda. Let's see. I'm, uh, let's see. The... Let's go El Machvar Sakid of Rav Huna. The Gemara concludes that the clear interpretation is that of Rav Huna. Ulu Rav Huna mi Nicha. So the Gemara asks, right, what was the interpretation of Rav Huna? The, the original interpretation of Rav Huna was that our Mishnah uh, is the opinion of Rav Yossi, who says that you can eat on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantav, because remember, the Mishnah says Arve Psachim. So the question was, why is it saying Dafka Arve Psachim? So either initially the, the, the uh, Gemara assumed this is a reflection of the idea that it, it means Erev Pesach and Erev Yantiv and it's a reflection of Rabbi Yehuda who says that you can't eat an Erev Pesach and Erev Yantiv 
Or maybe it's a reflection of Rabbi Yossi. This is what Ravuna said. It's a reflection of Rabbi Yossi, who said that, in fact, you can eat an Erev Shabbos and an Erev Yantiv, but the reason why the Mishnah says Arve Psachim is to bring out the exception that even though normally you could eat an Erev Pesach, you cannot because you have to eat the Matzah Latte Oven. That was the opinion of, um, of Ravuna. By the way, you, you, you happen, we happen to have uh, had a, another Rav Papa in there who was trying to say maybe it could be according to both Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda. We've been hawking over Rav Papa trying to reconcile everybody since the very beginning. Uh, since Brachos, and so that uh, appears over here as well. Okay, so now, that is where we are. So now the Gemara asks in the fifth line on Kufamid Aleph, is it true that Ravuna actually can be the Pshat in our Mishnah? Right, they didn't remember who said it. Maybe it was Rabbi Yochanan or Rabbi Hanin or Rabbi Hanina. They had different, right, uh, different notes here. So they said, Halachak Rabbi Yehuda Be'erva Pesach. Right, so if really the Pshat is like Rav Huna, that the Halacha is like Rabbi Yossi, that our mission is a reflection of Rabbi Yossi, so then why do we have a statement saying that the Halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda Be'erva Pesach? It says over there in, in that uh, teaching that we learned, but in either the name of Yochanan or Rav Hanina, that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda on Erev Pesach, and the halacha could be Yosi be Erev Shabbos. Aha. In other words, that like Rabbi Yosi, who says again that you can eat, that's an Erev Shabbos. And Rabbi Yehuda, the halacha is like him on Erev Pesach. So it says, the statement, halacha could be Yehuda be Erev Pesach, Michal de Palig Rabbi Yosi be Tervayu. That implies, basically, the way that statement is formulated implies that, in fact, the halacha really is that Rabbi Yossi holds both on Erev Pesach and on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantiv that you're allowed to eat. It is only, when it says halacha Yehuda Erev Pesach, it basically means that Rabbi Yehuda is who we hold on to, and this idea of not being able, to, in other words, we usually hold like Rabbi Yossi, but on Erev Pesach, we hold on to the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda that we don't want to eat on Erev Pesach. So the Gemara answers, no, no, no. Lo, halacha miklad de pligi behafsaka. No, the halacha, when we say that we hold like Rabbi Yehuda with regarding to Erev Pesach, that is talking about a different machlokas. In other words, the Gemara is going to shift now and say that this discussion, this idea that we quote in the name of Rabbi Yochanan or in the name of Rabbi Hanina did not have to do with, in fact, eating samuch lecha It was a related machlokas, but a different machlokas, that Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda, same balei plukta, Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda had a machlokas regarding a very similar idea on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantiv, and that machlokas would go as follows. And that is actually a machlokas that's extremely relevant to just a couple of days ago, because we just had what? A calendrical coincidence. We just had uh, Purim. And Purim was an Erev Shabbos. And that was a discussion. When are you supposed to have this Sudas Purim? So we had some people who followed the suggestion of the Ramah, who said, uh, you should eat it very, very early. Like you should eat it by 12. This is Andrew, I have a feeling, did this. Okay? He's a Ramah guy. And as many Ashkenazim are and should be. Uh, which was to eat the Purim Suda early. And the reason they wanted to eat the Purim Suda early was so as, what, not to run in into to this very Arve Psachim issue. This is literally, it's Arve Psachim. It was Erev Pesach. And, you, and the idea was, don't start your Seuda, right, too late, too close to Pesach. Okay, uh, to, rather, it was not Erev Pesach. It was Erev Shabbos in this case, right, obviously. 
because Purim Suda never falls out on Erev Pesach. But it was Erev Shabbos, and the idea was not to start the Suda too close to Shabbos. Okay. Now, the question is, if you did start the Suda, Beheter, let's say Andrew's Suda lasted, he got carried away, as Andrew does, and the Suda went all the way from early, whenever he started, 11.30 in the morning, all the way until Shabbos. Do you stop your Purim Suda, bench, right, do Kabbalah Shabbos, and then start the, and start the meal? Or do you say that once you started the Suda Beheter, then you can continue until you finish, whether that's in the middle of the night on Friday night or whatever it may be, and are you allowed to continue your Suda if you started Beheter? That's the question. As we will see at the very end of this Gemara, there is uh, a point in time in Erev Shabbos that both Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Yossi hold you could start your Suda, right? In other words, before Chatzos, everybody says you could start a Suda then, an Erev Pesach and Erev Yontiv and Erev Shabbos. And at a certain point, very, very close to Shkia, right? Samach Lamenchavok is a question in itself. Let's discuss Tzadik Tassim days. When exactly is that? But let's call it this year after 3.30 p.m., right? Or after like 3.45 p.m. Nobody says that you could start your Suda at that point. After that part, the ninth and a half hours, we'll see. The ninth hour. But the Machlokas is, if you start in that zone in between, can you in fact continue? So, as we see, this is what it means. The Tanya, we have the Brisa. Mafsikin l'shabasos. Do we interrupt the meal for Shabbos once Shabbos starts? If we started the meal beheter, do we have to interrupt it? So, Diver Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says we interrupt it. And Rabbi Yossi, Oimer, and Mafsikin. Rabbi Yossi says you just continue the meal beheter. Now, we're going to back it up with a Maisa. Maisa, Rabbi Shimon, Gamaliel. And then it's a Machlokas, whether Rabbi Yehuda was there also. Doesn't really affect the halacha, so let's just throw him in there into the mix also. So Rabbi Shimon Gamliel was there, Rabbi Yehuda was there, Rabbi Yossi was there. So here we go. Everything happens where? Shayu Mesubin Be'ako. They were dining in Akko. Usually all this stuff goes down at the house of the Reish Galusa. We'll get to the Reish Galusa in a minute. Okay. So they're having a meal. Sure enough, were they eating on Erev Shabbos? Of course they were. And who was there? Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda. Uh-oh. What's going to happen? So, did they start the meal? Of course they did. Did Shabbos come? Of course it did. And here comes, it comes to a head now. The Shita Rabbi Yossi, who says you can continue to eat, and Rabbi Yehuda, who says you have to stop, comes to a head. What are you going to do? V'kidesh yom, which means nighttime fell. It was time for davening. Birnbaum goes nuts. They don't go to shul? What's happening here? So, you know, we, we have, we're used to our custom of going to shul Right, in time for Shabbos, for like Kabbalah Shabbos and stuff like that, right? But, you know, I don't think these guys, I don't think that in this particular case, they needed to be, you know, they could dive in with a minion theoretically afterwards, right? You could always, we had guys in uh, Ramat Beit Shemesh on the early Shabbosim, uh, they weren't, they didn't want to dive in so, so early, meaning they thought it was ideal. Rebelinowitz, that's how this, uh, the shear is in his Le'ilu Nishmaso. He came up a lot on Purim because he had a really crazy Purim Suda. So uh, he had instituted a 10 o'clock or a 9 o'clock Friday night Marv. I don't think that exists in Baltimore. But he had like a 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock Marv. It was a very halachic thing, right? So you, you could start and you could say Kriyashma on the proper time. 
because you're saying Mariv and you're saying Kriyashma, so you do Kabbalah Shabbos. It's a little, you say Kabbalah Shabbos. Uh, this, is, this sounds like it predates Kabbalah Shabbos. But you, or maybe they did the Kabbalah Shabbos, but they didn't need to do that with a minion, right? Uh, so you, I'm sure they did Kabbalah Shabbos, but it predates this idea of you had to have that in shul. So be that as it may, they daven an early mincha, then they sat down for their suda. So I'm saying this goes on in Ramat Shemesh now, and in other places as well. You daven an early mincha, you do Kabbalah Shabbos, you know, as you do with beautiful singing and everything like that. And then you eat your Shabbos Suda. And then, because you want to dive in Marev Bizman, you go to a late Marev. So, so let's assume that this is what they were doing, okay? So, Amalor, Rabshim Gamliel, Rabbiosi, Beribi. Beribi means you go to Lador. Rabshim Gamliel is sitting there. He has Rabbiosi and he has Rabbiuda. This is getting awkward for Rabshim Gamliel because he knows that Rab, um, Yehuda holds that you have to stop. Now, Akko, we will soon see, is. Rabbi Yossi's house. They were eating by Rabbi Yossi. Now, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel is getting awkward because he knows that Rabbi Yehuda, let's say, is there, according to that Girsa, and he knows that Rabbi Yehuda holds that we have to stop. But Rabbi Yossi is, it's his house, and Rabbi, Yehuda, and Rabbi Yossi holds you should continue. So now the awkward moment has arrived, and Rabbi Gamliel decides he's going to handle the awkward situation like this. He's going to go to Rabbi Yossi, holds you can continue, and he's going to say, Listen, he says, you know, I don't really hold like this, but I know you don't hold like this, but maybe we should, in deference to our friend Rabbi Yehuda, right, stop the meal now and like daven for Shabbos and, and, and start a new bench and then make a new meal for Kiddush. So Amar Lo, Rabbi Yossi, in a great Flamboyant display of Dafyomi coincidence responds as follows. He says, He says, You're my Talmud. And every day you love my Pshat. And you, and you prefer, You prefer my Pshat to the Pshat of Rabbi Yehuda, which would indicate that on a day like today, you would just continue to eat without bringing this up, that we should say. So this is backfired. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel probably is sorry he brought it up. And he says, because listen to this, he says, Rabbi Yossi seems to have taken it as personally as you could possibly take it. In other words, Rabbi Yashim Gamliel is saying, maybe we should stop. He asks him, right, demurely, and, and Rabbi Yossi says, maybe we should stop, right? What are you talking about? You always hold like me, and now you want to hold like Rabbi Yehuda that we should stop? And then he quotes the Pasuk amazingly from the Megillah. Megillus Esther Hagam Lichbosh Hasamalka Imi Babais. The words that Achashverosh says to Haman when he finds Haman in his house in the middle of the Suda, he says to him, "Now with Esther, he says you're going to want in my own house to take take this Malka as well, which Gross Shlita points out." Is, was in a case, by the way, of a Hefseik Suda, right? Achashverosh and Esther were in the midst of a Suda. The Suda was interrupted. And so, because Achashverosh went out to get some fresh air. Achashverosh interrupts the Suda, he comes back, and boom, Haman's there. So, Gross saw in this a, uh, an extra special measure of brilliance on, on, on the part of the Chachamim, that they're bringing up a Pasuk, not only that has to do with how dare, you know, how dare you, so to speak, right, uh, 
in my own house bring up the shita of Rabbi Yehuda, but also in the context of Hafsaka Suda. Okay. So basically, Rav Shimon Gamliel thought this was a good idea, and in the end, Rabbi Yehuda shuts him down, and uh, Rabbi Yossi rather shuts him down in the most, uh, in the most emphatic way. So I'm alone, to which Rav Shimon Gamliel answers, Im lo nafsek. Okay, fine. Let's keep going. I get it. Then we shouldn't, we shouldn't stop. Yeah, sorry I brought it up. Exactly, says Kalman. Now, it's interesting. Tosfos actually has a short but fascinating Tosfos. Imkain lo nafsek. Wait a minute. So, uh, so, so let's see. Imkain lo nafsek. What's the reason that he brings? Says the Gemara. Shema yira talmidavikvarlachaladoros. He says, you know what? You're right. Uh, uh, it's probably better that we don't. Sorry, I brought it up. We should better that we don't uh, stop because if we stop, the talmidim will see, and then they'll think that that's the halacha that you're supposed to stop, like Rabbi Yehuda. And of course, halacha is like you, host Rabbi Yossi. Now, what Tosfos asks is why didn't why didn't he have that consideration beforehand? In other words, anytime the gadolim right do anything, you kovei halacha ladoros right. right? Like they they have the famous story of Moshe Feinstein when he took like the, uh, the he lifted up the orange juice and then he put it down and put it away and then he took the other brand of orange juice and they said he was trying to show ladoros that the other orange juice wasn't kosher or something like that. But really, he just it was empty. But anyways, so you have to sometimes be careful what you read into it. But the point is that he. The consideration afterwards, Rav Shimon Gamaliel says, "Yeah, you know, we wouldn't want the Talmudim to get the wrong idea." So this, so, so you know, in a social context, it sounds like, "Oh, he's just backtracking." It's like nice save, right? Like, but Tosfos is saying, "No, the original idea was if he had done it then before Rabbi Yossi made an issue out of it." Right, then everybody would think that maybe it's just out of consideration for Rabbi Yehuda. This goes along nicely with the idea that Rabbi Yehuda was there, present at the meal. According to that Girsa, so out of deference to Rabbi Yehuda, we could stop the meal. After all, as Birnbaum points out, you know, stopping a meal on Erev Shabbos is not the end of the world. You're not going to starve to death. You're about to have another Shabbos meal. Like, why is Rabbi Yossi so um, emphatic and pedantic about continuing to eat? Like, what's the big deal? Just stop eating. You're about to eat again in a minute. Right? So, uh, so, but Rabbi Yossi simply holds that you don't have to stop eating. And therefore, why should you stop eating? Okay. Uh, be that as it may, once Rabbi Shimon Gamliel made an issue out of it, now it's an issue. So now you have to actually, right, uh, keep, keep in mind that people are going to be paying attention and being kobe halacha based on how you were uh, noheg at that particular time. At which point the Gemara says, Amru lo zazum yishamach yukavu halacha Yossi. And sure enough, they didn't move uh, at all. They didn't move a finger until they were And sure enough, they, they, made, they, they made sure that they ate uh, to their fill and they took their time and they sang Zmiros of Erev Shabbos or whatever it was and they uh, ate until they were finished. Fine. Now the Gemara rules and this in fact was the Rav, Rav, uh, Willig Shlita. I double and triple and quadruple checked because the briskers, I don't think, are so into this. Rabbi Gross begrudgingly allowed it and was melamed. He says he was melamed schus, which means it's, he didn't think it was lechatchila. But some hold it is, some hold it isn't lechatchila. Um, the following halacha, amazingly, that applied this past Friday, just a few days ago. Amar Yehuda, Amar Shmuel. We quote Shmuel here. Now, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi are Tanaim. Shmuel 
is an Amora, but he's an Amora, he's Tano Pollock, meaning he's, he's a, he's such a high level of Amora that he can be Choylek on Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi in theory. But we'll see, there's a Machlokas Rosh Bam here in Tosa. I should point out that when, when we start Arve Psachim, we have the Rashi on top, but we have the Rosh Bam on the Rashi side, right? We have the regular Tosfos on the outside, on the inside we have Rashi on top, and then Rosh Bam on the bottom. He takes us through Arve Psachim. Rashi is very, as we know, he's very succinct. The Rashbam is more verbose. I've been told throughout my life that I'm a Rashbam type. Where I, I like to spell things out. So anyways, if I have time, I'll tell you a story about that. But be that as it may, um, the, the Rashbam here uh, points out, as we'll see, that this is not necessarily... Um, this is not necessarily a case where Shmuel is proposing his own opinion, but let's see what the opinion is first, and then we'll uh, speak briefly about the Machlokas Rashbam Tosfus here. So, Amr Bihuda, Amr Shmuel, Ein Alacha Lokar Bihuda, Lokar Again, with respect to whether you have to stop your meal that began on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yantiv, so let's say Erev Shabbos, the Rabbi Yehuda would say that you have to stop, Rabbi Yossi says that you can continue. Shmuel has a third opinion, Ela. Pores mapa umekadesh. This becomes the topic of the rest of the daf. Pores mapa umekadesh, which means that you do not stop the meal, as Rabbi Huda says, insists that you do, nor do you continue the meal, as Rabbi Yossi insists that you do, but rather you do a hybrid. You continue the meal, but you have an interruption, intermission. Same meal, however, you cover Everything, poros mapo makadish means you cover all the food and then you make kiddish, then you uncover the food and continue. And now your Arab Shabbos meal has turned into a Shabbos meal. But it's the same meal, right? So you're not interrupting it. I mean, you're interrupting it, but you're not, this is, this became a discussion between myself and Rabbi Gross. Rabbi Gross holds that this is an interruption because after all, you're interrupting the meal. That's not what the Rashbam says. So I called him last night and he answers the phone. He says, Oh, you, you're telling me that what you calling to tell me that what I said is connected to Rashbam? He knew right away what he was in for. Why? Why do I mean that? <laughs> because it's like this. Tosvos. It's like this. Shmuel is giving the opinion of Poros Mapo Makadesh. Okay. So the first question is he's a, he's an Amora. So Tosvos says no, he's an Amora, but he's quoting the Shitas Chachamim in the Yerushalmi that this idea of Poros Mapo Makadesh is a third shita. It's not Rabbi Huda, it's not Rabbi Yossi. It's a third shita the Chachamim brought out in the Yerushalmi. That's what Tosva says. The Rashbam doesn't have this Yerushalmi or doesn't mention the Yerushalmi. So he, instead of saying that, uh, that Shmuel can propose his own opinion, he says that he goes either like Rabbi Huda or Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi Gross gave a whole shear based on the fact that really it's an interruption, which makes it sound more like Rabbi Huda. But the Rashbam doesn't say that. Rashbam says that Poros Mapo Makadish is a variation of Rabbi Yossi. The Rashbam points out that Poros Mapo Makadish is a variation of the idea of you can continue your meal. It's just a way of doing so. Okay, so that becomes a discussion as well. But be that as it may, this is in fact uh, what Rabbi Fo Willig uh, said was Lechatchila, according to some, and this is in fact what we did. So we have a perfect illustration of it that we had this past Friday night. We did Poros Mapo Makadish. So the halacha was... You start your meal, you make hamotzi, okay, and then you can continue. You continue your meal. Then you cover everything up. You you clear you clear everything off. When it comes to Shabbos, you you say Kabbalah Shabbos and you make kiddush 
on Lechem Mishnah that's covered, which we're about to discuss, right? But you don't wash again because you already washed. And then later when you bench, and then if you make, if you didn't drink already, you don't even make a Borapriya guff. If you already drank, rather, then you don't even make a Borapriya guffin. I didn't have any wine at that point, so I was making a, I made a Borapriya guffin. That's a whole other thing. Uh, splash props, etc. It's not for now. And, uh, and then at the end, when you bench, you're actually benching like a Shabbos meal. You don't, according to most opinion, you don't say Al-Hanisim already, even though it's a continuation of the previous meal, because you split it up with the benching, uh, with the, with the Kiddush, so now you like introduced a second half of the same meal. So in certain ways it's one meal, and in certain ways it's two distinct aspects of that same meal. Okay. So now, that is halacha according to Shmuel, Poros, Mapa, Umekadesh. So the Gemara asks, Aini, is that really uh, good enough? Does that really work, Paros Mapa Makadesh? The Omar Rav Tachlifa Barabdim Amashmul, Keshem Shemafsikin Lekidish, as we turn to Kufam and Beis, Kach Mafsikin Lehavdala. In other words, we bring a source where Mafsikin for Kiddish is like Mafsikin Lehavdala. Now we know Mafsikin Lehavdala is a hard stop, and Mafsikin sounds like it implies that you're actually not just uh, interrupting your meal to be paris mapa makadish, but you're actually stopping to eat altogether. As the Gemara continues to say, ma mafsikin, what do we imply by mafsikin? Lav lakira shulchan. Does not mean that we just simply, uh, finish eating altogether, remove the table, and say birkas amazon. The Gemara answers, lo lemapa. Mafsikin doesn't necessarily mean that we stop eating. It could be paris mapa. And if you say that, so then in fact, paris mapa makadish could be, in fact, the actual patent, as we say, could be the, the, uh, the idea of how, of how we're doing this, of Shmuel, that could be the answer of how we should do it, Lechatchila. That Lechatchila, this is where, right, you could see how, you, how, if that's the only problem with Paros Mapa Makadish, then we've already solved that problem. We said no, that that was, that source is in fact referring to Paros Mapa. And if that's the case, then Paros Mapa could be Lechatchila. Now they'll say, Paros Mapa is only Lechatchila if you found yourself in this pickle that you started a meal and you've gotten to this point. That doesn't mean that you're allowed to start your Purim Suda. According to the Shittas, they say that that's not Lechatchila. Uh, they say it doesn't mean you could uh, intentionally start a Suda and put yourself in a situation where you do Paras Mapa. Now, that's a different discussion. So now we're at the Reish Galusa where everything always goes down. And the, here's the story. Says the Gemara. Rabba Baravuna Ikla Levei Reish Galusa. Okay, so you have Rabba and you have Ravuna. And Aisu Taka Kameh. Okay, so they have a table, right? And they're eating, there's some food there, and the table's there. It's a discussion here as to whether they started eating already. This becomes a discussion in Rishonim. Is this a situation where they start? It's not really uh, critical to the understanding of the Gemara because it ends up not being a discussion of whether uh, you can interrupt, so to speak, the meal. Um, and so ir- irrespective of whether they started the meal already or they didn't start the meal yet, the point that's being brought at the Gemara here is, is that there's a table with challah present and we're about to discuss the idea of what? Covering the challah. In other words, you have to, Paras Mapa, once we're bringing up Paras Mapa, and we're talking about the idea of why would you cover the challah while you're making Kiddush. That kind of um, transitions into this idea. Now again, the fact that this story, 
the Gemara believes that this story is related to the idea of Paris Mappa is in itself interesting. In other words, we brought up Paris Mappa as a way of handling the fact that you started the meal early. Now we're still talking about Paris Mappa, but we're not really addressing that part of the halacha. We're just talking about the idea in general of covering the chalas. Okay, so how, how closely that's related to the Gemara that led up to it is in itself a discussion of Rishonim. But be that as it may, Isotoka Kamei, they had food with, let's say, challah on it, and Paras Mappa Vikidesh, so he spread a cloth, right? He, spread, he put the challah cover on the bread, and that's when he made Kiddush, right? Now, um, what would be the reason? So the Rashbam, nice, large Rashbam, and he explains that in this, he explains, first of all, what I was talking about before, about whether this was an expression of whether they already ate or not. And then in the context of that explanation, he explains why you would be porous mappa in the first place. In other words, why do you cover the challah when you make kiddush? So, Andrew, do you, do you remember the reason why you cover the challah when you make kiddush? Exactly. So what everyone says is we cover the challah because you don't want to embarrass the challah, right? Because you're making kiddush and you're saying Kiddush before Hamotzi, and you don't want to embarrass the challah. Now, mind you, Andrew, the, uh, uh, the embarrassment that the challah is going to suffer is nothing like what this challah is about to go through just about a minute later when you chop it up into a million pieces and, and everybody consumes it. The challah, from its perspective, thinks that you're, if you're going to be anthropomorphic about it, thinks that you're ISIS, right? Because first you cover its head, and then you recite some gibberish that it doesn't understand, and then you dramatically rip off the challah cover and then chop off its head. But we will see that that is the most well-known uh, reason, but it's not found on the page. I think Rabbi Gross says he thinks the rush might say it here. Somebody says it on this page, but not, not Tosfos, not the Gemara, not the Rashbam. They say other reasons. So the Rashbam over here already says, why do you, why do you bring cover the challah? Because let's say, let's say, Andrew, I brought you as a guest speaker, right, in Rabbi Gross's shul. So I bring you as a guest speaker. Now, you wouldn't just get up and speak. I would bring you up. I would sit you down. Everybody can look at you and start wondering who, who you are and get curious. I would introduce you and I would recite your credentials, which would be like the recital of Kiddush. And then I would bring you up to speak. And so that is what the Rashbam basically says. We have, it's a dramatic intro. That is the reason why we cover the Chala. Um, in order, the Sudasa Biyikra the Shapsa. You start the Suda, which means that by saying Kiddush and covering the Chala, you're in effect, you're the Chala, if the Chala was like the guest lecturer, you're having a dramatic introduction of the Suda, and the dramatic introduction is you cover it, you wait, you make Kiddush, you put it, you contextualize it, and only then do you start the Suda. That is the first reason brought up of why Porus Mapa Vikidesh, again, here we're talking about not a way of getting, of, of, um, Breaking up the meal, but just the very idea of covering the challah be- while you're making kiddush. Okay. Now, the Gemara says then, Tanya Nami Hachi, we have a brisa that supports this idea of covering the challah when you make kiddush. Now, it says, Vishavin she'en mevinas ha-shulchan elaim kiddush. Shavin is, it's questionable whether that word shavin is a gear, is in the girsa or not. 
the, in, a, in, a, in a line, in the next line, we're going to say the word shavin again. So the Rashbam brings three possibilities. Either shavin here means that Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda would both agree to this, or he means that Beit Sham, Beit Silal, in a different context um, that, that's related, that the machlokas that they have is something that they both agree to with regards to covering the challah, or it's just a mistake, which is why it's taken out, and it's just it's um, an editorial error because later we say shavin in about a line, and that's why shavin snuck in here also. So we'll go with that because that's that I think that's the mainstream idea is to take out the shavin. But be that as it may, the brayso says that you bring the shulchan and you don't bring the the shulchan, which is to say you don't expose the bread until after you made kiddush. Now in our days, our shulchanas, as Tosas points out, are heavier. In those days, they used to have these little portable tables that they bring in and out. So for us, since we have a heavy table that we don't bring in and out, we simply leave the challah there and cover it. We're not taking shulchan in and out, but that's the um, point that Tosas brings. Let's just see. that. So, no, and th- so that would be the equivalent. Us covering the challah and then only exposing it after Kiddush is the equivalent of them only bringing the challah in on that portable table after Kiddush. So again... They say, First you make Kiddush, then you bring the challah. But if for whatever reason you brought the challah, you brought the shulchan, right? That, and, and the Rashba, right, is talking about Friday night over here, that if you bring it, you're poris mapa umekadesh, you simply cover the challah before you do it. So, fine. Now, Tosos here, very, very interesting. So this is, again, what we were saying before. He says, Tosos is fascinating. He says, it says, we already learned in Masechah Shabbos Kufiyotes that when the angel sees you making Kiddush, he likes to see a set table. So what this seems to fly in the face of the idea that you brought the table only after Kiddush. So he said, first of all, no. You set the table beautifully for Shabbos, but you set it up in the other room. In the living room, you had a beautiful Shabbos table. You made Kiddush in the dining room, and then you brought this beautiful table. So really, the Malach that's looking to see that you're all beautifully set for Shabbos, he's first looking in the living room to see the beautiful Shabbos table set. Then he follows you to the dining room. That's low kasha. Now, that's the first uh, thing that Tosfos discuss. And then Tosfos says what we just mentioned. Our tables are too big for this shtick of moving them in and out. Are you going to get a bunch of guys and start schlepping? That's not cool. So we just cover the chala. Right? We said, this is what we said before, that you have that introduction of Shabbos in the context of a beautiful idea over here. However, this is the second idea. So the first idea is to make the, the, the meal special. The second idea is a zecher laman. The famous idea of having the bottom and then the top, and that is why we cover the challah. So we see two ideas, but on this page we don't see the idea of not embarrassing the, uh, the challah. Okay, so now, with regards to the machlokes from Yudah and Rabbi Yossi, we have, uh, we, we have another two b'rises. Tani chada. One b'rise said, Shavin she'in maschilin. Right? There's a case where Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi agree that you can't eat. This is what we were talking about. That Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi seem to have a machlokas as to when, as to when, whether you can begin the meal or not. But everybody agrees later on 
that we cannot begin when it gets really close to Shabbos. And also, Rabbi Yehud and Rabbi Yossi both would agree. This is where Shavin comes in. In that context, it's talking about Rabbi Yehud and Rabbi Yossi. Because in the morning, everybody holds that you can eat. So the Gemara asks, I understand the idea that later on, everybody would agree that you can't start there, we're talking about Erev Pesach for the aforementioned reason because you have to eat the matzah, let's say, avon. But when are you going to say that everybody agrees that you can, in fact, begin eating on Erev Shabbos or Yantiv? So, Amos, when is it? If you're talking about Erev Shabbos, well, that indeed is when we have the Machlokas, Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yehuda. So the Gemara answer is, Lo Kasha. Kan Kodem Tisha, Kan Laachar Tisha. Aha. That's where you get that ninth hour here. That when it's before Tisha... So Rabbi Huda is going to agree that you can bring, you can begin the meal, even on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantiv. And whereas here, right, where Rabbi Huda argues, he's arguing after Tisha, right? So that's why, so, so that's, so, so according to this part of the Gemara, both Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Yossi would agree that before the ninth hour, right, you can in fact start the meal. That's why everybody was saying this past Friday that really, now again, the Ramah was Machmir. The Ramah said, don't wait for Tisha, start earlier and make your Sudas uh, Purim even earlier than that. But Me'ikar Adin, we see from our Gemara, that if you started before the ninth hour, both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi would agree. That's why everybody said that B'dyeved, if, if it's too inconvenient to so start at two, start at one, start at two, start at three, right? As long as you start before Tisha, then even Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda would both agree that you're allowed to start then, but it's not, in fact, to do so. We have a few minutes. Um, so I, I tried to bring out, I guess I should have done more B'yun and told more, st- more stories. I'm not going to tell the story about, uh, me, uh, about me being very verbose. It's not, it's not uh, no gaya. So uh, I'll say, so we're now in the topic of Kiddush B'mokam Suda. So now we're entering, we have so many fascinating uh, halachas and ideas that come, come up from this, right? Because we just said, Poros Mapo Mekadesh. So you're making Kiddush, right, when you are, right, before you re- reveal the, the challah, right? You're making Kiddush and you have the challah already there and, and it's covered. So the question is, that Kiddush, as we said, is, is made at the presence of the meal, and then the meal starts immediately. That's a beautiful idea because you're contextualizing the meal for, as right, the Tosfos had said, in order to, right, in order to make Shabbos special, in order to, like you're introducing a special guest speaker or a special guest, a special Shabbos guest, you're making the Kiddush first almost like as introductory contextualization of the meal, which is a beautiful idea. Problem is, um, sometimes you make Kiddush at, at when there isn't a challah there. When is that? That is when you make Kiddush in shul. As follows. Says the Gemara, Right? What about making Kiddush in shul? There you're making Kiddush and you don't have challah, you don't have a meal. So, Rav. Rav said, Okay? So, first idea is that you're Yotze Kiddush, right? But when you get home, Right, you still need to make a bore prihagafen. We're going to discuss that more at length tomorrow. Ushmuel Amar, as we turn to Kuf Aleph Amad Aleph, Af Yedei Kiddush Lo Yatsu. And Shmuel is going to say that you weren't Yatsu Kiddush 
either. So says the Gemara, But according to Rav, once you made Kiddush already in Shul, right, so then why is it that everybody holds, everybody knows that when you get home, you're going to make a Kiddush a second time at home, to which the Gemara answers, that once you've already, right, relieved your Chiv of Kiddush, um, in Shul you still have to recite Kiddush again, when you get at home, and then the Gemara asks, and according to Shmuel, who says that you can't fulfill Kiddush at all in Shul, so then why are you even saying it in Shul? So the Gemara says, right? because in those days, they used to have a lot of people living in the Shul, and that was the only place where they would be able to hear Kiddush, and therefore, right, these Orchem, the Achle, Vishasu, Veganu, Veveknechta, Right, and those people would eat, drink, and sleep in the shul, and so you're making kiddush for them. How does that all interplay with kiddush b'makom suda? How does that work that you already fulfilled your obligation in shul, and yet you can fulfill your obligation again when you get home? How does it work for the people who are in shul and are living in the shul? For that, we'll have to return tomorrow when we learn kuf aleph bezrat Hashem over here. Stay tuned tomorrow, five thirty-five. B'nai Jacob Sharazain.